0: Get 80% off your impression
1: kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the -the off-the-glass, nothing but net and up and under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
2: Welcome, Pelicans fans, to another edition of the Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, uh, continuing my fill-in duties for Preston Ellis, and I am joined today with Mr. Jamal Dunn, um, and David Fisher, and of course our editor in chief, Ali Cosell. And uh, we're glad to be back. We just wrapped up uh, an extensive series on trades for the Pelicans and Anthony Davis. And we'll get into today's events that may have a big impact on that. But first, some good news for the Pelicans Um, in the front office. Today it was announced that um, WNBA legend, college basketball uh, legend, uh, and all-around extremely talented uh, personnel person who's uh, had a, a number of jobs in front offices in the WNBA uh, is now going to be joining the Pelicans. Swin Cash uh, will be joining the team as a vice president of operations and development. Uh, and uh, uh, some big steps. Uh, another uh, minority in, in, in management, a woman in, in, in the management position in the organization, and a great mind as well to add to that brain trust of David Griffin and Trajan Langdon. Gentlemen, we'll start with Jamal. Um, what's your impression of the hire and the direction in general of, of where this Pelicans front office is going in the last couple of months?
3: Um, well, first off, I like the hire. Swing cash has a long track record in basketball in general, um, but also in front office positions in the WNBA. So um, so I, I do like the hire, and it kind of goes along with, Griff, with what Griffin has been doing the whole time that he's been with the Pelicans, right, which is been hiring not only qualified people but people who he had some form of relationship with and then also people who have a reputation um amongst their colleagues you know for for high character right which is what griffin has been talking about building an organization you know with high character not just players but uh, people throughout the organization so i thought it was consistent with that um and i thought that you know of course griffin worked with swing cash when he was uh, at nba tv uh so that's where the sort of relationship comes in uh and of course he had a, a pre-existing relationship with uh, Aaron nelson who he brought in as well as trajan langdon so uh from that angle it wasn't a, necessarily a surprise but you know I, I obviously hadn't heard anything about her um getting a position with the pelican so it was a, a bright surprise i've always kind of liked her commentary Um, obviously I haven't been in her front offices, so I don't know, you know, what she was necessarily doing day to day in her different positions, but everyone in the WNBA spoke quite highly of her. So I liked the hire. The only thing I didn't like about it was you go on Twitter after, after the hire and you immediately got caveman with like, um, you know, kitchen and cooking, uh, you know, tweets, you know, lame jokes. It's like, dude, seriously um so that was the only negative of it but i thought it was a po- another positive step for the pelicans um and um i think slim cash will really add something to the to the front office it's definitely a different perspective um coming from the wnba the players tend to be a little more um a little more uh, fundamentally sound in the women's game at least uh early on in their careers uh, and then also there's much more of a emphasis on team building and and, uh, and character in that league uh, versus the NBA where talent kind of overrules everything. So overall, I really like the higher.
2: Fish, to me, the most important part of that title is the development part. And Jamal just alluded to it a bit, um, but obviously we know that that was something that Griffin and Langdon both are, are very serious about um, improving the level of talent and, and being able to develop young players, which is something we've um, the Pelicans have failed at by and large over the last decade or so. How important do you think it is to have another set of eyes focused on um, player development for
4: this franchise? It's, it's incredibly important when you're talking about how this franchise is going to move forward and we'll get kind of into some of the other news, but you're looking at, not only are the Pelicans going to add Zion Williamson and potentially another first-round pick in this draft, but then Griffin's trade demands that were leaked today, multiple first-round picks, future first-round picks, there's going to be a lot of draft capital potentially coming into the franchise, and you need another set of eyes just to provide a, a very different perspective. The thing that excited me most about Swin Cash's hire today is the fact that while she has worked with David Griffin, her work with David Griffin's only been in the TV realm. She's never been in a front office with him. So he's still getting more of an outsider perspective rather than someone who's been in the office in the grind and which um, Aaron Nelson, I mean, they worked in the Phoenix franchise for over 15 years together. And then Trajan Langdon, one of his first big um, NBA positions was working under Griffin in Cleveland. It's nice to bring in somebody, a similar-ish title. I mean, she's coming in as a vice president, not as an executive vice president, but vice president. And she's going to be over development and scouting Is was my understanding from what I read. And so you're going to have a very different set of eyes on players. I think it's going to give... A, a different perspective, maybe, than you get when you have a whole bunch of guys in the room um, analyzing how we need to move forward. And like like Jamil said, maybe she'll be more more skill focused than athleticism focused. And I mean, the development of that athleticism is more going to be Aaron Nelson's and the trainer's perspective. Hers is going to be skill. Into development and nurturing of skill, and just having another set of highly qualified eyes to watch Zion's career as it begins to unfold, and talk to him about basketball IQ things or what are you seeing on the floor, things like that. I mean that that doesn't change from women to plan to men to plan. I know um, Grub, you know this because you played um, on a, on a scout team when you were at wake forest, right? Right. For the women's team. And I remember when I was, when I came into high school as a freshman, they put us up against the girls varsity team and they said, all right, here you go. And me being, I mean, freshman in high school, we're talking 15 year old child thinking that, Oh, we're going to hoop on some girls quickly learned that that was not the case. And so they can play ball and basketball isn't a whole lot different from the women's game to the men's game. We try to act like it is. A lot of it is, is very similar. There's a substantial amount of crossover. Her, her perspective is going to be the same, but different in a way that I think leads to the Pelicans having a little bit of a competitive advantage compared to teams who, who don't have a set of eyes like Swin Cash's eyes in the front office.
2: Before I toss it to Ali, I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting is when you look at Trajan Langdon and you look at Swin Cash, similar pedigrees in the sense that they both played for elite college programs that won championships. They were, you know, all Americans where, you know, Swin obviously had a better pro career, of course, than Trajan did. Um, you know, finished what top 10 in scoring and the WBA top 10 in rebounds, all those things but they both have international experience. They have connections overseas. Um, As we know, women's basketball is extremely popular overseas. So she probably has a number of connections still there. And you can say worked in front offices, worked in the league office, as well as the WNBA. So relationship building is certainly there. And it seems to be that that type of element, winning relationships and a wide range of experiences seem to be the priorities of building this front office, so um, I absolutely think that these this group of uh, uh, of four right now that that would be the the godhead of the Pelicans right now are, are are really good as far as their alignment of skills. But like you said, they each have different perspectives to kind of push each other. Ali, what's your take on that? And then knowing that also tomorrow we get our first opportunity to speak with Swing Cash um, tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. Uh, We'll get to speak to Swin. Um, You know, what's your impression of this? What are the things that you wanted to, to ask her
0: about? Yeah, I think this hire falls right in line with what David Griffin described as Trajan Langdon being. And he said, we're going to attract and gather as much of the best and brightest that we possibly can. And then when you look at Swin Cash's resume, you look at the fact she's 39 and how she's bounced in several careers and been quite successful. You know, she was hot. She was only the second female to ever jump right from her playing days of WNBA into a front office. And then um, one of the biggest networks around that cover basketball, MSG Networks, hired her, you know, with little to no experience. And she was a smashing hit there covering the NBA. And I've heard nothing but stories of where players from opposing teams at every stop where wherever she traveled to games, I uh, will go up to her and introduce themselves to her because that's how much, you know, she was thought of. She, she, she She's considered one of the great, smartest uh, basketball basketball minds. I forget gender. I don't even see gender when I look at her. So it's another super mammoth home run for me, uh, David. And I think that Griffin, even though this came out of left field, it makes perfect sense now in hindsight, right? As you guys just alluded to, that, that kind of different, maybe logical uh, thinking that she may provide. But overall, I just love the idea that, David Griffin's going to be sitting in every important meeting, having all these wonderful minds and asking their opinion and valuing their opinion. I, I mean, that's, that's what we've always dreamed about here in New Orleans. So I'm ecstatic as far, for, as far as what we could ask her. I mean, it's not going to be too different than what we've asked, I guess, of Griff and Langdon. And that is what do they see as the direction uh, of this franchise? And along with it, what do you expect your responsibilities to be. And then we stem everything else off of that. But again, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I didn't see this one coming at all. And when you look at her resume and everything else that we've already touched on, it's another home run. And man, I mean, all these good things, all these good vibes, it, it's just been amazing. These last two months, you know, all these other teams are thinking about, well, we have all these endless possibilities in the offseason. Well, we already have so much of the most, one of the most um, um, disregarded, parts of building a successful franchise already taken care of, you know, you've got that hierarchy that, and and the fact that they're so highly regarded around the league individually, all these people, now you bring them together under the same roof. I mean, I think at some point it's got to stop, right? All these beautiful moves and hires, it's got to stop and we've got to get to basketball. But until then, wow. I hope fans realize something special is definitely brewing in this city.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, the results will end up telling the tale. But right. the the first step, as you said, is building up a, a reservoir of talent that at least you feel comfortable in making decisions. And I think, yeah, for the first time in a long time, you have a collaborative system with uh, people who will make these decisions jointly. Uh, and, and you again, we have to give credit and go back to Gail Benson to give uh, David Griffin the freedom to do this, to bring in a team of people when originally when we talked about this, we were hoping to get two people uh, <laughs> before this whole process started, a general manager and a president or a vice president. And now we've gotten three and who knows what's coming in, in the future. But it just seems that um, that, that commitment from Mrs. Vincent has not wavered um, an iota from the moment that she's given it. And I think that that's uh, an exceptional place to be um, at, at for for ownership that for, again, uh, for a, a, the bulk of these last few years was kind of viewed as absentee. It just seems like this, you know, this doesn't happen without her. Um, but also, again, uh, you have to respect the fact that David Griffin is not the kind of person who's coming in and saying, I know all and this will be my thing. It's it's a we rather than a me. And I think that uh, that's, that's a great way to build uh, the culture that they've talked about. Uh, Moving on to more, um, I guess, more dramatic issues with the Pelicans. Today, we had two reports come out, one from Woj and one from Shams regarding Anthony Davis. Um, Woj reporting that the Pelicans are looking, have a heavy asking price for Anthony Davis, that uh, David Griffin is not going to back down from his price and that is encouraging teams that do want to get into the Anthony Davis sweepstakes that they may have to make deals with other teams, which is something that we have discussed on this podcast before, um, that some of these teams are going to have to go out and find help to bring the kind of talent that the Pelicans are asking for. And then on the other side, with Shams, you get a report that Anthony Davis will on- only wants to play the Knicks or the Lakers. Um, and, of course, uh, that information – uh, could impact uh, the way folks view uh, their position in this deal. Uh, what do you think about those reports, Fish, um, those competing reports? Or is this um, a game of that's being played between Clutch Sports and Anthony Davis and David Griffin? Um, is, is this all misdirection? What, what's your impression of, of where we are with this?
4: It is a game being played by the two of them, but I think if you really read into everything that was reported today, we didn't get any new information. Like David Griffin's trade package that he's demanding, which is an all-star caliber player, a player with the potential to be an all-star and at least two future first-round picks, I think he laid out pretty much that to the T on NBA TV in February before he even got the job, just analyzing what he would do if he was the general manager of the Pelicans. And so Woj's report on that case wasn't surprising. The fact that he said he's, he's talked to other teams to reach out to third teams that we'll try to rope in. I mean, we talked about that weeks ago, that, that made sense to us weeks ago. I think Charlie first floated the, could we get Indiana involved and get Sabonis into New Orleans in March? I mean, we've talked about this for quite some time, that it's going to take a third team because the primary teams that want to shell out the most for Anthony Davis, which are going to be those big market teams because they're the teams that feel like they have the greatest chance of resigning him, the stuff that they have to send out isn't that good. And it doesn't really line up with what the Pelicans want to do. But you might be able to package that with some future picks, and then you get a player that is pretty good, but maybe not on such a good contract, or his timeline doesn't fit, line up with the timeline of the franchise that he's on anymore. So I don't think that was news. And the Shams report that, you know, he's really only looking at the Knicks and the Lakers, a couple things. We need to point out the Knicks and the Lakers have the worst two franchises in the NBA pretty much since Anthony Davis came in the league. No two franchises have more losses than those two. I think um, it was at the bottom of an ESPN report, either over the last Mm -hmm. three or four years. And that's not worked. In the NBA, that doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a long time. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to Los Angeles when he was with the San Antonio Spurs. He's playing in Toronto for the finals. Uh, Paul George wanted to go to the Lakers, and only the Lakers. And so the Lakers thought, oh, we have leverage, and they started pulling stuff off the table, and Paul George re-signed with Oklahoma City Thunder. There isn't a really good example of some team trying to – some player trying to force himself to the Lakers and that actually working out. And the only time that you can – recent history that you can think of of a player forcing himself to the Knicks – would be Carmelo Anthony, and the Knicks played absolutely through the nose for it. That the following year was when the Denver Nuggets won 57 games, and you can probably trace a number of the players that the Nuggets still have now on their roster to what they did with the assets once they kind of started to age out and injuries started to take toll in Denver. And all the Knicks got from that, um, and Grub, you're the most familiar, is one flash in the pan uh playoff series that amounted to very little and that was it so i don't think we got a whole lot of new news Yeah, you have you know david griffin and rich paul kind of leaking and they're not necessarily leaking rich paul is leaking this to try obviously to weaken the pelicans position but the pelicans in essence are leaking this out to try to Get those third teams, I think, more interested involved because then they'll know hey, maybe, you know, Brandon Ingram might be available, Lonzo Ball might be available, some of those Dallas picks might be available. We might want to take a shot on Kevin Knox or Dennis Smith Jr. So I don't, I don't think a lot of it, I don't think it's surprising to any of us. Would it be surprising to you, Grubb?
2: No, no. I, like, I think we, we were on this from the beginning. That we knew it was going to take, you know, for outside of Boston, there's no team that can meet all of those demands with what they currently have. And Boston is contingent on them really going all in. So, yeah, there's nothing. The Knicks are short. We talked about that. We did our analysis that the Knicks, we felt like they needed to go find a player because all of their guys that they're offering are guys who've been in the league two years or less. So you know, there's no all and there's no all star certainly amongst that group. We talk about the Lakers again, no all stars amongst that group, injuries and not a lot of good picks. You know, so the the major teams that were and and Brooklyn now, um, again, some very good and very good young talented players, but they don't have an all star that they can send you today. And I think you're absolutely right that the market does improve for those teams that don't want Anthony Davis but want other people's parts. And I I think that absolutely will get some GMs excited um, about what they can get to augment their teams outside of making a major deal for AD. Uh, Ali, on that point to uh, what has been happening with AD and this information that keeps coming out, going all the way back to the beginning when it was first there was no list, then it was all 29 teams were on the list, then it was four teams on the list. Um, and now it's two. This dr- this amazing lack of consistency for Anthony Davis and his team of advisors, which obviously includes Rich Paul, his father, and, and, and us. What is their end game here? Because it doesn't seem like it's improved either his image or his chances of getting to the Lakers.
0: The end game simple. He wants to get to LA as soon as possible. I'm not even certain how gung ho he would be to go to the Knicks, even just for a year, and then leave in free agency to go to LA. I think he would prefer to go to LA. I think that maybe this is a little bit of smoke, even though I don't know exactly why Rich Paul would put it out there publicly. But you basically, in and say, well, there is at least another team, but he knows deep down that. I don't think Griffin wants to trade with New York unless, like Fish said, they can come through and add a whole bunch of assets. Because as it stands, the Knicks do not have really anything outside of those picks at all that the Pelicans would want in return for Anthony Davis. So when it's when it's two teams and one's pretty much you you can eliminate and L.A. is the only one left standing. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Right. So. Obviously, this does not help his image. But at this point, are, are we surprised? I mean, he didn't care when the trade requests came out. And then they kind of became ugly. There started to be finger pointing about what deals were actually being put out on, on the, the uh, Dell Demps and vice versa. What well, did Magic, you know, did Magic really shortchange Dell Demps with an initial offer like we had heard? I mean, all this stuff stems back to Anthony Davidson's representation. It's never looked good. And here we are again. Even though I, I've got to, I've got to go off tangent here and mention that I'm not too worried at all by anything they say. And fish has already mentioned why it's the fact that all these players that have seemingly wanted to go, all these star players have seemingly wanted to go to a certain destination. They've never made it there even yet. And I know he mentioned Kawhi mentioned Paul George, but there's been others, you know, there's Jimmy Butler. There's uh, been a few others as well. So Kyrie Irving. I mean, he never wanted to go to Boston. He always wanted to go back to New York or New Jersey. Right. So I'm, I'm not, I don't place much into this. I don't think we should dwell on this. I think we should just more so concentrate on the teams that can make a deal for Anthony Davis and what they can offer and what third teams are best to bring in. Cause really Rich Paul has no leverage. I feel like anymore and he can't damage AD's reputation any further. Right. Because I mean, They've already done the number on it. The Lakers asked us. We all know where they stand. That's the worst part about this, I think, on, on their side. Lonzo Ball supposedly didn't want to come to uh, New Orleans. We don't know if that's changed. Even though it's true, LeVar hasn't spoken up against it recently. Brandon Ingram's injury is the bigger one on the table. We know that David Griffin has spoken highly of him in the past. But, man, a blood clot serious. Even though it's not very comparable to Chris Bosh, still a serious thing that could maybe come back, you know, come back and rear his ugly head and therefore curtail his career. And suddenly he's your centerpiece? No. Lakers are, are really hurting, and I don't think Rich Paul has much of a leg to stand on because you can't throw these Los Angeles Lakers asses and still keep pointing to these neon lights that they're sitting in, regardless of what their fans say because the rest of the league knows. I mean, we've heard that other teams aren't willing to trade their top picks in this draft for Lonzo Ball. You would have thought maybe the Phoenix Suns or the Chicago Bulls would, but Know it hasn't happened yet thus far, so I'm not too worried about this whole Rich Paul factor. I I just do agree with you though that when you mention it does hurt AD's image. I mean, look, Kushner actually said it best earlier today look at the two teams that are on his list. I mean, you want to somehow come up with an analogy to winning, you just can't, right? These two teams have been amongst the worst in the last five, six years, so. It's just a head scratcher, you know, to even put that out there to throw your client under the bus. But they did it, and I, I guess they don't care. They just they want to get Anthony Davis to L.A. That much is a certainty, and they will not stop trying.
2: Jamal, it is very much a Carmelo Anthony situation then for Anthony Davis, because if he goes there, it's him, LeBron, and not a lot of cap space. Uh, same in New York. If he goes to New York, and we'll get to this in a a second, but Kevin Durant now has been injured. Um, we, we believe it's his it Achilles. We don't know if it's a tear. We don't know if it's a sh- severe strain. But if there's no Durant, if there's no Kyrie in New York, and there is a trade major in New York, it's Anthony Davis and some pieces. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't see, I, I don't understand here, I guess. And we're all speculating and, and trying to get inside the head of a person who does not communicate particularly well with the media. Um, but neither one of those teams, like you said, there's no guarantees on either one of those. So what would be the Pelicans' incentive without a third team to make a deal with either the Lakers or the Knicks? Jamal?
3: Oh, I thought you were talking to somebody else. Um, No. no. Now, there is no incentive to make a deal. with the with the Lakers or the Knicks from the Pelican standpoint. I mean it there really isn't from a Anthony Davis standpoint either, but you know, he doesn't think that way. Um but yeah, so the only thing I could think, you know, the way that he that Anthony and his team are thinking. I mean I know what Rich Paul wants, right? He's really managing managing A D via LeBron, basically. But um but in terms of what Anthony and his father could be thinking, maybe they feel like if they get to LA, get next to LeBron, it could raise his profile into being something more than just you know a, a good basketball player. That's the only thing is, I could think. But, yeah, this, but
2: uh, even uh, uh, let me interrupt you for one second because this is the part that I don't get because the, the parallel and like Fish said, when Carmelo did it, he had he was in the final year of his deal, you know, and and he said he wanted out. He could have waited till the end of the season, but he wanted to get his money. A D is a year and a half was was a year and a half out when he made this deal. And professionally it would have been a much better decision. Not talking about as a like professionally as viewing him as a professional his behavior, but in in a basketball sense for him, the best possible situation would have been to wait to free agency. So it just it just seems like the Pelicans will win
3: this no matter what.
2: Yeah. I what mean, do you think of that?
3: And in- Honestly, the only the the other option that he could have taken one he could have gone through free agency, like you mentioned, that's the cleanest way to do it. But also, he probably could have done better by waiting until the off season, not saying anything during the season. Waiting until the off season, um, you prob you might still have Dell in place, maybe not. But um, you know, and, and then you are in a better position because then you really are on the clock. Right. Either they trade you now or they lose you after the season. Um, So that would have been a stronger position. So just from Rich Paul's perspective, I thought it was a miscalculation to do it last season when they did it. Um, And now they're just going to have to live with the consequences. Now I could see this if Anthony um, and his dad and, you know, his group around him don't get smart that after the Pels trade him, if they trade him somewhere, That he that he doesn't necessarily want to be, um, you could be in an even tougher situation because say he gets traded to you know team X who's not in LA or New York uh, that takes a a risk on him. Um, Okay, well then after the season, Rich Paul's still going to push him to go to LA and sign with a then thirty six year old LeBron, right? With you know probably not that great of a cast around them, Um, and I don't know that that's a great situation for him either, right? And for me, with Anthony, if if I had to guess, I would say that he he is going to end up in New York, but not with the Knicks. I think he'll end up with Brooklyn, um, or if not with Brooklyn, with Boston. I'm not buying this narrative that Boston is no longer in in this uh, sweepstakes. And matter of fact, the fact that they're the one team in all of this all of this that's quiet and you're not hearing any rumors about them those are the teams that usually end up uh, you know, closing these types of deals, right? Because they're the ones who are actually serious and aren't trying to leverage play and do all this, you know, extra stuff to try to uh, make up for the fact that they don't actually have assets. So I, I think one of those two teams are going to end up getting him. Griffin, yes, he said he wants an all-star, but I don't think all-star means all-star, right? It right. means do you consider the guy an all-star, right? A lot of people consider Drew an all-star over some guys who may have made, you know, on the back end. Uh, of some of these all-star rosters. So it's it's an all-star in your eyes. Is Tatum an all-star in Griffin's eyes? I think so. Um, is uh, D'Angelo Russell or Karis Levert uh, potentially an all-star in David Griffin's eyes? Uh, I could see that, right? So if you want to say, you know, I think D'Angelo Russell and Karis Levert, along with some of their other players and maybe sending someone like Torian Prince and Jared Allen elsewhere for a pick, You know, all of a sudden, you get two young players with all-star potential. Uh, I mean, one already has an all-star reality in DeAngelo Russell, plus whatever picks uh, you can get for the other pieces they might move, plus the picks that they can offer, that the Nets can offer that they already own. Um, And then a similar situation with Boston. So um, those two make the most sense, right? Boston has other pieces they can move off of to get picks. And so does Brooklyn. And as far as New York and L.A., all they have is a good lottery pick. And a lot of that falls on whether Griff and the front office, even like the third and fourth players potentially in the draft. Right. So for 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 Anthony Davis and Rich Paul, this was a miscalculation of epic proportions. Um, As good as, say, someone like Musai uh, Ujiri, you know, made a calculated risk on Kawhi Leonard that was as bad as the calculated risk that Rich Paul and Anthony Davis made on the Pelicans. So um, I, I don't see a way he's going to come out of this smelling good because he's not going to win. Right. And that's ultimately what he said he, he wanted to do. And yeah, it's great to go to LA. It's great to go to New York uh, and play in, you know, allegedly the Mecca of basketball and all that great stuff. But if you don't win in the Mecca of basketball, it doesn't matter. You know, it's great at the press conference. Um, and you know you're gonna get some great stuff written on the way in, but if you don't win, you're gonna get some terrible stuff written about you on the way out.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't think he knows um, what that side is like because he's never experienced. He's he, his experience with New Orleans is is a media that has uh, coddled him in, in, in a larger uh, regard. I mean, I know that there, and Alec can attest to this too, is that there have been a lot of things that we have both heard and seen that we just that people just let go. Because it it was Anthony, and you just it didn't make any sense to say it. You know, it just wasn't worth it. But that doesn't happen in L.A. Yeah. It Doesn't happen in New York. It doesn't happen in Chicago. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way in those markets. So yeah, it, it's. I think if, it's a completely different piece.
3: If L.A. is like turning lukewarm on LeBron, you know, like who had who had more equity in the bank than LeBron James? Certainly not Anthony Davis. So, right.
2: Absolutely, and, and you, like you said, there there are people literally discussing LeBron. Uh, so if <laughs> if that's happening in LA, and with all the other stuff, yeah, Anthony Davis he better be prepared for those things. Now, bringing up Yusai Majiri, obviously the Raptors in the finals playing the Warriors, and that brings us back to Kevin Durant and his injury. That th- that's a huge domino in all of this. His movement, his presumed movement. Um, for next season. Uh just just going on our guts. Um Ali, we'll start with you. Just going on your gut. Does this how does this impact all of you know free agency, the Anthony Davis trade? What do you see immediately? If Durant is done for an extended amount of time, if this is a tear and he misses he could miss an, an entire season, um is that make it more likely for him to stay in Golden State? which means more teams will be desperate to get an Anthony Davis or does it cool the market what, what do you think about that um and Durant's impact on on all of this
0: yeah i've got a million thoughts on this but uh it's first of all we got to say it's unfortunate he sustained this yes. injury you know i mean he wanted to come back and people are of course second guessing his decision now but it truly does come down to the player he knows the risks he's probably talked with his uh, medical personnel with the Golden State Warriors and anybody else that he's consulted with probably ad nauseum leading up to this day so it's just horrible to see and I don't want to comment any further on that part of it because we don't know yet for certain what is the uh, diagnosis but when we just witness Bob Myers you know the uh, general manager of the Warriors break down live on TV you kind of get the sense that it seems like it's a worst case scenario so this is undoubtedly going to send tidal waves through free agency. And I think through just the NBA in general, and you have to start with the fact that let's say that Kevin Durant was going to come back to the golden state wars. That would have meant that, Hey, they're going to remain that super team for X amount of years. Well, suddenly they're not going to be that super team. Cause even if he comes back, chances of him coming back at all next season are super ridiculously slim. Right? So suddenly this is almost an open window. And for general managers like Daryl Morey, this is when you jump. This is when you actually go ahead and, hey, this is another notch in the belt of wanting to chase and make a Kawhi Leonard type of deal like Toronto did. So Anthony Davis is that chip, and suddenly it makes it that enviable to take that one-year risk, even though you're not fully sure that he's going to resign with you. It makes it all more the worth to take that gamble. So... That alone speaks volumes. And then you've got to consider, of course, an important chip is off the table. So suddenly, no Kevin Durant's out there. Suddenly, what does Kyrie Irving do? What do other players do? What do teams do that anticipated maybe Durant would go to them? Like the Clippers, you know, like New York Knicks. So suddenly, does Anthony Davis become somebody's plan B? Does suddenly a player like Kyrie Irving say, well, if I can't hook up with KD now, should it, all the focus go to AD now? Should I stay in Boston? So it's a huge domino effect, and it'll be interesting to see play out. And um, David Griffin, I think, is going to get some new offers. I think that's probably the best thing we can surmise here. Uh, there should be probably some more unexpected teams. So yeah, I mean, I'm willing. Hey, let's let me pass this over now to Fish. You want to add anything to that? Because there's a lot to talk about and unpack here. I
4: think, especially on a couple teams and I keep on going back to the Knicks. I feel like the Knicks are the most desperate team that we talk about when we're talking about chasing big time stars. And I don't think I don't think the injury changes what the Knicks would want to do long term and I think the Knicks are still going to put the 4-year max on the table for Kevin Durant because you know, God forbid he comes back and he's not, you know, 100% Kevin Durant again after a year or two. It's only a four-year contract. The Knicks have endured far worse at this point. And just the hope that we saw Kevin Durant um, Yeah, just my, ch-
2: my childhood flashed before my eyes right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: so no, I think... I think the Knicks would still put the big offer on the table for Kevin Durant, and I think the Knicks would still want to trade for Anthony Davis to increase the chances that Kevin Durant wants to come there because a lineup of Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, what it does for you defensive versatility-wise, Kevin Durant's obviously going to be your primary creator, which slides Anthony Davis more off the ball but Durant is so much better of a shooter that he doesn't crowd AD's space like a pairing with LeBron James would. Um, I still think it it doesn't change maybe the Knicks' approach, other teams' approach that we're going to chase Kevin Durant maybe, but I always felt, to me, the Kevin Durant race was just a two-team race between Golden State and the Knicks. I think... Golden State might have more hesitation about putting the five-year max on the table for Kevin Durant. But depending on the outcome of the series and the severity of his injury, they I don't want to say they would put it on the table out of pity, but they might do it out of guilt. Because, I mean, ultimately, yeah, Kevin Durant said, yeah, I want to go but there have been plenty of situations where a player wants to go and a medical staff says, you can't, it's not safe. Um, And I mean, not to say that the, that isn't to say the golden state did the wrong thing in putting them out on the court, but I'm saying that might play into how their contract negotiations go. But I would be surprised if Kevin Durant isn't still staring at a five-year max from the Warriors and a four-year max from the Knicks. And a four year max from the Clippers. He's just that good of a basketball player. And even if it does sap some of his athleticism, like I told the guys in the chat, I mean, uh, uh, Kevin Durant with a little bit less athleticism is still better than prime Dirk Nowitzki. So you would still want him on your team. So I I don't think his injury really affects that. and I still feel like teams are going to make huge offers for Anthony Davis, thinking that if we trade for Anthony Davis before July 1st and that trade is agreed to, you know, draft night executed on June 30th or July 1st or however they're working the precision about that, um, that gives us a better chance to sign the big free agent. So I don't think the Kevin Durant injury or even really the outcome of the finals has a huge impact on how teams are going to approach the Anthony Davis trade and Kevin Durant. They're just that good of basketball players.
1: Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
2: Okay, the wild card in all this, uh, Jamal, is that Durant could opt in for the next year and stay with Golden State and not take on free agency, which could be another set of dominoes because Clay Thompson's up to get paid. So if Durant stays in at 30 million, and now the, the dominoes are now different players. And if Durant stays in Golden State, in your mind, does that change um, the, the situation for AD? Uh, if
3: if he stays in Golden State, I think. I think yeah, if he,
2: do, if he chooses not to take that option and he's yeah. not in, the, in play for New York and he's not in, in play for, you know, the Clippers or whomever or Brooklyn, if he's no longer on the market for anybody other, and he stays with Golden
3: State, what does that do to the market? Well, I, I think it. I think it only makes the market better for AD from a, at least from a Pelicans perspective, because mm-hmm. AD now becomes KD. What KD was to this uh, free agent period, even though AD is not a free agent, he becomes that right—the guy who puts another star over the top to sign. Because if you're Kyrie and you want to get to New York, yeah, going to the Nets or the Knicks. Um, yeah, they'll be better with Kyrie on the team, but it's not getting you past, you know, the best teams in the East. Um, so it's in that way, in, in terms of winning, it's kind of pointless. You're just kind of building another Celtics, maybe only a little bit worse. Um, but if you get AD there, and I think what could happen, and this goes back to me still not being sold that Boston is out, is a bidding war between Boston and Brooklyn for AD to keep Kyrie or to get Kyrie in, in Brooklyn's case and to keep Kyrie in the Celtics case. Um, so you think about the, the reasons why Kyrie might want to leave Boston, um, the fit with some of those younger players, if they're traded for AD or traded elsewhere to, to get assets for the Pelicans um, to, you know, to, to get AD to Boston. Um, well, you no longer have an issue with fit with Tatum uh, and some of these other guys. Um, so, and the same in, in, in Brooklyn, right? If, if you go to Brooklyn, um, they're no longer going to need the Angela Russell, making him available to, uh, to the Pelicans fulfilling David Griffin's all-star wish. Uh, and then they have uh, some other young assets and they still would have some pieces left, right? Even after trading three or four players for AD, um, you know, they would still have some players left. And so those two teams, and I don't know how open Kyrie is to staying in Boston, but I can't believe that he just wants to go to Brooklyn and, you know, be a, a fifth seed um, next year. And from Brooklyn's perspective, if I can't get another star, I kind of just want to resign the guys I had last year um, and and run it back and wait for another chance to get a star. Why sign Kyrie? Uh, if, if I, if I'm not going to be able to get another star to pair him with to make us relevant. So I think, in terms of the impact on the A.B. trade uh, discussions, it's it's only going to magnify it, and it's going to create a bidding war uh, for anybody, not just Kyrie, though, you know, for these teams that are going to be going after um, Kawhi, for these teams that are going to be going after some of these other, you know, big-time free agents. Um, I, I don't think Clay is leaving at all, but if he were to leave, you know, that's another, another big free agent out there. Uh, but when you look at some of these teams, uh it most there's no team out there. Maybe you could say the Clippers, if they had added KG, they would be a contender. But at this point, there's no team out there that if they just sign one uh one star in free agency, they're automatically now a contender. Maybe other than the Lakers, if if you could convince like a Kawhi to team up with LeBron. But that's about it. And Kawhi's not teaming up with, with LeBron. So um, these teams that want to build another super team. And you also have to factor in the fact that even if Durant stays in Golden State, uh, whether it's on a short-term or long-term deal, um, these teams are looking at it now as the, the the championship or the path to a championship is wide open. They now see blood in the water for the Warriors, regardless of how this series ends, right? The, the Warriors are wounded and the, the weight of, of these long championship runs is starting to weigh on the roster and they can't go on like this forever. And it's obvious. And so other teams are seeing the same thing that we're seeing. And this is their opportunity to build their super team to, to to take the place of the Warriors uh, moving forward. So some GM is going to take advantage of this and people keep trying to convince everyone that AD is not going to get a good return. Some GM is going to make a career off of this trade, or at least in his mind, He's thinking mm-hmm. he's going to make a career off of this trade um, the way – I mean, Masai already had a tremendous career, but, you know, the Kawhi puts him sort of in executive legend land after that gamble he took for Kawhi and the way that that has paid off even if they lose the series. So I think Katie' saying takes the, the biggest chip that was on the free agent table off um, and the only player talented enough that's partially available right now. Um, other than maybe Kawhi, who could possibly stay in Toronto or you know just go to the Clippers, would be Anthony Davis. And so, and when we look sort uh, of into the future in the next couple of years, when's the next time there's a big time guy coming on the market that's going to be available? So if you're you know GM trying to build super team, um, this is kind of your last chance for the next couple of years. So I think um, the KD situation, as tragic as the injury as the injury appears, um, if it does, you know, convince him to stay in Golden State. And I don't think he stays on a one-year deal. Like, you know, he just watched what happened to Boogie Cousins, right? Mm -hmm. Live and and in color where this guy went from, you know, even after the Achilles, had he had a nice season, he could have gotten, you know, maybe a two- or three-year deal. But when that Achilles goes, it's such a big injury that it can cascade to other areas of the body, and all of a sudden, you take a one-year deal, and you have another bad leg injury next year, and you're not looking at a four or five-year max. You're looking at a one or a one-plus-one maybe. You know, even for a, a player as talented as KD, if you can't stay on the floor, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. So I think wherever he goes is going to be a long-term deal um, for 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 max money. Um, but if he does stay, I, I think uh, AD AD's price goes up exponentially.
2: Yeah, Fish, one of the things we hadn't talked about, um, and we I guess we maybe just hadn't had the opportunity, is now there are, what, six teams that have the ability to bring in two max contracts um, this offseason. So, you know, to piggyback on Jamil's, Jamil's point, um, they're absolute, to me, the absolutely the bidding war is going to get stronger. There are so many teams now that are in a position where they have to make something happen with this cap space, and then that, that the the second point he made about um, not having a lot of players on the horizon of that caliber, uh, this may be the last chance for a number of GMs and franchises to shoot for the moon as far as that type of talent. Do you do you see that impact uh, being big in having this number of teams that have to do something, and then like you said, those silent teams that we may not be aware of, I think the price does go up as we, the further we move into
4: this. I do think that the the, the price goes up for, for, from the Pelicans' perspective, as the potential for usable cap space increases league-wide. So if, if the Warriors are able to keep, I, I have every expect, expectation that they're going to keep Thompson but if they also keep Kevin Durant now there's there's like 35 extra million dollars in cap space sitting on some team's roster that they would need to spend some other other way now I don't think I don't think that the answers in terms of what's going to be done with the cap space are going to be found before the Anthony Davis trade is made so the, the timing on it. Player options, player options is going to be, um, you know, probably June 27th, June 28th, something like that. I can't. I don't have the the date right off the top of my head, but it's usually somewhere between like 48, 72 hours before free agency starts. The trade is going to be done a week before that. But the 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 prospect, the specter of we have excess cap space that we need to use. And especially when you're talking about the teams that I feel like are desperate, the Knicks and the Lakers, where they have a lot of cap space that's available to be used. And if they don't use it now, how do you really roll it over to the next year? And this is how you get a lot of bad deals. Remember the year of the cap spike when Solomon Hills getting four years and $52 million. Stupid stuff happens when NBA GMs have a lot of money to to spend. So... While some GM might say, I feel like I'm overpaying for Anthony Davis, do you want to overpay for Anthony Davis? Or do you want to plop down a near max or a max contract for Nikola Vucevic? You know, that that's a real question that some of these teams are going to have to answer. And so... I mean the idea that the Pelicans lack leverage is foolish because the Pelicans leverage isn't created by anything that the Pelicans do. The Pelicans leverage is created by the fact that more than one team wants Anthony Davis. And we know that's the case. Multiple teams want Anthony Davis and those teams play off each other and then create the leverage in terms of, you know, increasing the offers. So the Pelicans don't have to increase the leverage on this point. They just need to let the marketplace play out until you know it gets too rich for some of these teams that want to get involved and my expectation is minimally the Knicks and the Lakers are going to get to the point where they're willing to push everything in to make this happen now I still feel like the Boston Celtics can trump the Knicks or the Lakers package and they don't even have to go all the way in they can probably put Tatum and the Memphis pick, and then just the stuff that they need to match salary, and maybe like a, a few another future first round pick or one of their first round picks this year. And Griffin would say, "I'm good. Let's walk away. Let's make this happen." And the the Celtics also have the ease of the fact that they can make this happen, and they don't need to get a third team involved. They can get they can give you a Jason Tatum who Griffin's going to consider his his All Star player. They can give you a future pick that's a potential all-star player, a good role player, and then another future pick. They can make that happen on their own without reaching out to other teams, which is why I think you're seeing this constant leaking kind of reporting of, oh, the Boston might be getting cold feet, et cetera, because Boston doesn't want to just be the leverage, and they don't want <coughs> – they don't want it out there that they're really all in on in terms of getting Anthony Davis, because they want to keep something back out of the deal rather than having to push push. And so they they know Boston is is the team that can bid the most, so they don't want to drive up the price too high and bid against themselves. Whereas the Lakers and the Knicks are bidding against each other and they're bid, bidding against the B plus Celtics offer. But that's where the Pelicans leverage is going to be concerned. But I don't think what's going to happen in free agency affects the Anthony Davis trade as much because the Anthony Davis trade and the reports we got from Loge today and what we've talked about numerous times on these podcasts are you make the Anthony Davis trade to shape free agency, not the other way around. I
2: agree. I think you're right on that. Uh, We are now nine days out from the draft. Uh, Do we think that... um, and I'll go to you, Ali, on this one. Do you think that we hear something in principle? Um, publicly, maybe, you know, before the draft, or um, are we expecting uh David Griffin to play this as close to the vest as possible? Um, and maybe not hear anything till after, you know,
0: the day or after the draft or or draft night? I think something definitely will get done beforehand. And I'm just gonna throw out the 16th, maybe the seventeenth, but I think that the Pelicans would like to know what's – you know, every team already does evaluations. They they know up and down the board where they're going to – which players they like on the draft board. But still, when you kind of really – it's not until you actually land the draft pick that you think you really got to concentrate on that you concentrate on that range of players and maybe even bring them in for personal evaluations, right? Because as far as we know, the Pelicans are, only, are going to work out amongst the top guys, Zion and John Morant. So – suddenly you may have to, you know, work out some other guys. you got to get some eyes on. So I expect for that reason alone, the Pelicans want to get a deal done at least two to three days before the actual draft. So like I said, I'm picking the 16th. I think teams are, they're never going to be hungrier than they are now. They're going to be quick to react. Some of them have been waiting for this Anthony Davis fish for years, like the Boston Celtics. So now is the time to strike. So yeah, I do expect, Dave, that something's going to get done here real soon within a week's time.
2: Because if you do make that deal with the Celtics, you're you're not taking on a top five pick, like you said. Not um, you're getting something, you know, number fourteen. So you're going, like you said, deeper into your evaluated players, and you absolutely you wanted ha- you'd want to have that agreement in principle so that you can either, as Fish has talked about in the past, have that player signed by the team you're working with, and use that uh, to match salary or um be prepared to to have that player um fit in with the rest of that package that you're getting knowing you're drafting maybe not just um for talent but you are also you know de- depending on the situation drafting out of positions of need uh Jamal when we talk about that approaching the draft obviously Zion is is sitting there and we're we're all under the assumption unless something dramatically changes between now and then that Zion is number one, and that if the Pelicans get, if they make that deal 3-4 or even 14, what position, and we've always been talking about point guard and small forward, but I think at least one of those will get addressed in the draft, but what positions, as you look at the roster now going into the draft and the uncertainty there are with so many free agents, where should the Pelicans be looking in these last few days uh, for talent?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, I hate to be on original, but I think you've got to look at wings and, and guards, right? I mean, we look at what goes on in the league and bigs are great. I mean, if you want to go outside of that, some type of maybe floor stretching, rim protecting uh, big or, or, you know, a, a player who has potential to be that would be something I'd be interested in. But. At the end of the day, wins and losses. If the Anthony Davis era has taught us anything, is you win and lose on the wings and in the backcourt, right? Um, there's a reason that the Trailblazers, despite you know arguably not having as much talent as as some of the Pelicans teams that AD has played on, you know they still consistently go further than the Pelicans, and it's just because the Pelicans have a star who can't dictate uh, the game plan you at like a ball handler or uh, a dominant wing can so i think those are the areas I need to look um late in the draft i I always think late in the draft and by late i mean outside maybe the top you know five or six picks um i always look for the potential upside right so the guys who have the the height weight and the character uh and hopefully at least one good skill right someone who can really shoot, but maybe needs to develop other areas or really defend, but maybe needs to develop a shot, you're not going to get a complete player that, uh, you know, in some of the lower picks of the draft. Uh, So that's what I really think they should be looking for. I mean, I'm still, they need a point guard. You have another big in Zion, although I think people kind of underestimate Zion's ability to facilitate himself. I think he'll be somewhat a facilitator for the Pels as well, but you don't want um you don't want him to have to have the full load of of creating for people especially early in his career when he's just trying to figure it out for himself so uh i would still be looking at guards and wings in this league we see how um how starved all these teams are for wings you know th- this is why you have guys like Solomon Hill and Allen Crab they get overpaid for a reason cuz you just can't find guys with that size who can defend and shoot now neither of those guys can do <laughs> either of those things but <laughs> Just, (laughs) But just the hope of it, just the hope of it, you know, has NBA teams given them, you know, 40, 50, 60, you know, $70 million in Krabs' case. So, um, and that's for a reason. Those guys are valuable uh, to every team in the league, all 30 of them. So I think that's where they should be looking, whether that guy turns out to be a long-term answer on your roster or just a piece that you can trade, because I think the Pels should be looking Uh, to what they should be trying to do differently than they did in the ad era is don't look at all the players especially young players that you bring in as you know some piece that's going to help you move into the future you have to look at it as, as a piece that you can develop into something that may help you in the future but also we just want you to turn into a productive player so that we can possibly trade you you know when 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 you when there's an opportunity right you want to be you don't want to be uh these teams that have to give up something that's you know integral to them to to get a good player you want to be like these teams like the clippers uh like the nets um like the celtics who just have a bevy of young talent and players that other teams would want uh and so when they want to upgrade they can just trade those guys and get something i know it's not as simple as i'm making it sound but um but it's definitely not simple if, if you don't have those types of guys on your roster. So, yeah, I, I still feel like wings and guard. But, um, you know, I, I would also, you know, be looking in, in the front court. But, you know, they just have to go best player available, really. I know it's cliche. But in the NBA, where not that many guys pan out to even be starters in the draft, you might have 15 starters if you're lucky in an entire draft. And that's if you're really lucky. You're probably closer to eight to ten starters, like career starters. Um, so if you can get one of those guys, and it doesn't have to be in the in the top five, we've seen that there's always one or two guys that leak out of that top 10 uh, that become productive players. It doesn't mean you're an all NBA guy, but uh, if you can get a guy who can start and who other teams would want uh, later on in his career, I think you've won. So, you know, I, I wouldn't focus so much on position uh, mm-hmm. as much. I would take the, the same route that uh, Griff is taking with his front office, which is get the best and brightest, get the most talented people in, and you figure out after that, uh, as long as they're a good fit culturally. So I think that's what they should be looking for.
2: Ollie, before we close out, um, one thing I want to talk about with you and, and let you um, discuss is the current roster. So whenever this Anthony Davis deal is made, my assumption is, and this is just trying to ballpark it, you're bringing in, at minimum, five new players. You got Zion. You're probably getting another first-round pick in this draft, and then the ass- the player assets that you get, the actual bodies in the trade. So let's say you're getting around four, five, six players to go into this current roster. How many of these guys we know? You know, Julius will have to ex- decide whether he's going to exercise option. I'm sure the writing is on the wall for him that he's going to leave. But how – I mean, you're you're talking about really a dramatic changeover for this roster um, next year. What do you see – who do you see coming back? And then what today – just thinking about that, what would be a reasonable um, expectation um, without knowing who's coming back? You know, do we look at this as a developmental year? um going into it or, or or do we want to have um the impression that this is a, a potential
0: playoff team okay yeah and also I'll recite the bible too <laughs> I'm just I mean, I'm, kidding. you know I, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just teasing yeah. no 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 but there there's a neat couple easy answers first of all I only foresee that seven players are going to return that includes Solomon Hill so you're gonna <laughs> have a wide open roster you got Drew coming back for sure Solomon Hill, if he doesn't get included in Anthony Davis package, I don't think I I see as much of a you know I'm I'm not too wildly crazy excited about the idea of needing to include uh, Solomon Hill within the Anthony Davis trade simply because where we are going to be in kind of a rebuilding kind of that next year, so there's no need to get out from underneath that contract if it costs us an asset. So Drew Solomon Hill, each one more. Uh, then you got Jaleel Okafor. I expect him to be back. Same thing with Christian Wood Frank Jackson and Kenrich Williams. That's a seven. So, yeah, Julius Randle, you just have to think is going to be done. We, we just got done talking about how much free agency dollars are going to be out there. And you just can't foresee that David Griffin is going to meet his demands, which you've got to think is going to start at least 18 to 20 million per. And when you've got Zion Williamson at that same position, I just don't see any way Julius comes back. The only toss up for me is Alfred Payton. Um, I'd like to say that I don't believe in anybody else, and that includes Stanley Johnson, Darius Bertons, and I believe Cheick Diallo. I don't think he'll be back either. So seven guys, and then you've got yeah. you you mentioned two picks, but it's really going to be at least three. Dave, you got to think any trade for Anthony Davis is going to net one. You've got our first round picks on, and you've got our second rounder, so that's three picks there. Pelicans want three players, so that's, you know, six added to the seven. So all this is easily possible. If anybody's wondering, will we have the roster space, I feel like. But as far as it being, you know, what type of year, it all depends on the return, right, on on which mm-hmm. direction David Griffin goes in. If he brings in a lot of veterans, like the kind of young win now types, like DeMarcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and uh, Jason Tatum, then, yeah, I think you can have playoff expectations, even though Zion's a rookie. And I've read all the data about how long it takes these guys to get going. But, you know, not too many of those rosters ever had a player of Drew Holiday's caliber or, like I said, these young guys that are coming in are, are really about to get their legs under them after being in the league for most of them a couple of years. Marcus smart a little bit more who are ready to win now and contribute to winning positive ways. So the deal for Anthony Davis is going to really pretty much set in motion for the Pelicans future after anything after that is just pure guesswork. So I don't think we need to go into that, but is that kind of what you were looking for, Dave?
2: Yeah. Cause I, you know, that's, I think that's what people are are, are maybe not understanding because all that influx of talent all of personnel, you know, yeah, it, it, it is going to change the landscape of that roster. And, and, and you're going to have to think who's not coming back. And I know that there are people who are, you know, we see it every day on Twitter that there are a lot of people who are very big on bringing Julius back. Um, uh, even though we we all, I think we would all all four of us would agree that that's that possibility is is minuscule at best. Um, I think pe- a lot of people would like to see Alfred come back, but again, there's a lot of contingency with that. And then of course, I mean, we talked about this all season. There were as many as ten guys who could be free agents on this team um, before the season started. So, yeah, it. it, it I think there part of it is no matter who you bring in, there has there will be some adjustment period, and fans need to understand that. But also, yeah, I think that also goes back to the front office and that development, the G League team um, that that comes into operation this year and how important it's going to be for some of these guys who get picked who will not be on the floor for the Pelicans this season. They'll be spending most of their time in uh, Pennsylvania uh, in the the G League. So, I mean, I I think folks don't have to worry maybe about this. I think one of the concerns was that this roster was going to be too young uh and i think that that mitigates i think there are some mitigating factors and, and i think you, you outlined that right there uh so i guess before we wrap up um the uh how i guess i'm just try, i'm just ready to release all this and i think that's my general feeling and and i i guess maybe you guys are in the same way it's just can we just get this done this is the longest it feels like you we've been holding our breath for so long since january I, I really need this to be to be ended soon.
4: Is, uh, are you
2: guys all in that same place?
0: Anybody? I'll let y'all go first. <laughs> I haven't minded it too much, to be honest with you. After this this incredibly crappy, disappointing season, to now have so much positiveness these last two months, I honestly, don't mind. And I've loved talking, you know, trade proposals with you guys on just our podcast alone. And in our DM groups, you know how we've had some of the best chats. I feel like in years, right? So I know what you're saying, Dave. I definitely want the deal to get done too. Overall, I mean, it's time to move on and let's ha- let's set that path in motion. But I haven't minded the lead up to it as much as maybe some other people.
2: Jamal, what about you? Because I'm just, I just want some certainty, you know, just so we can
0: start
3: moving on to the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean. I- I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm a little bit of a, you know, attention guy, especially where our team never gets any attention really. Right. Which, which is why there's all, all these false negatives. Are Cause nobody knows about them, but um, on a national scale, I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah, I am ready because one, I'm ready to be excited about what we're moving forward with uh, because it's great to have Zion most likely have Zion, but It's also, you know, you you wonder, okay, well, how are we going to build around him? How how are we going to look forward? And I think once this deal gets done, there'll be a couple of days where everybody kind of recaps the whole saga with AD, but, you know, three, four, five days later, it's all going to be about, you know, the new era of excitement with Zion and whoever else is going to be joining him via the AD trade, you know, plus through Holiday. So Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely ready for that. It kind of, um, you know, it, it kind of feels like one of those, you know, long breakups, you know, that I think everybody's had at one point or another where you just, you know, it's over, but we're just kind of waiting for the lease to end. Um, and, you know, I think AD's lease in New Orleans is almost up. So, um, I think we can't fully be excited about Zion until AD is gone. Um, at that point then you can say, okay, let's be excited about Zion and Tatum or Zion and whoever else they bring in. So, yeah, I'm definitely ready for, for it to move on. But but I, I do understand what I was saying. Like It's been, you know, in a way, you know, sometimes the worst things that happen to us are the best things that happen to us. Because, you know, if AD doesn't blow up the way, you know, it did with the whole Rich Paul and forcing a trade in the middle of the season or trying to who knows, right? They may have struggled to uh, a 500 record or had a strong finish or something like that. And maybe Dell hangs around for another year, um, you know, making short-term decisions uh, that weren't going to pan out. And they don't get Aaron Nelson. They don't get Swing Cash. They don't get Trajan Langdon. They don't get David Griffin. Um, and ultimately, they don't, they don't get Zion. So as um, as much as, as much as people are tired of this whole thing, I also think that um, you know, I'm gonna look back at this period and, you know, kind of thought of something really special. So, I'm ready for it to be over. But, but you know, maybe we can let it go another week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want Ad to come get his breakup box. You know, say like you know, the stuff you leave the-
3: <laughs> when you
2: break up with somebody, they you leave a bunch your of stuff at your apartment. <laughs> yeah, come, you, come get your shirts, come get your, your stuff out of my medicine cabinet. It was cool while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've got to go <laughs> to the left, to the left. <laughs> Fish, I'm going to let you have the last word on that one.
1: Well, I
4: mean, for me, um, I always expected that it was going to take until the draft. So I had paced myself about it. And I, I mean, I don't think without it dragging out as long as it has, we wouldn't have had enough time to expand our like horizons on what could possibly be done. And I think that's what David Griffin is going to be doing on a full-time and overtime basis from now until June 20th. I know Ollie said he expects the, the trade to be announced a little before the draft. I think that David Griffin is going to run the clock all the way out. And what that means is if he's making the, tra- the trade either to the Knicks or to the Lakers, He's going to wait until that team is on the clock and he's going to call Danny Ainge one more time because they have a relationship and he's going to say, are you going to put it on the table? Are you going to put your best offer on the table? Because if you're not, the clock is running out on you. We've run it all the way down. We know that you can make the best offer. Are you going to make it? Um, And that's, that's the thing that I think best plays for the Pelicans. It doesn't play best for the Pelicans to make the trade at any point until the last possible second. I do think it makes the best sense for the Pelicans to make the trade on draft night with a team so that it's known you are picking the guy that we want and he's ours. He's not actually yours. But I feel like he's, he's going to run it all the way down and the trade will probably be, be announced on draft night. And the only way that it maybe doesn't happen that way is somehow if the commissioner gets through back channels and says, hey, the draft order gets locked in whenever it does. I think it gets locked in on the 19th, and we'd like the draft night to be about the draft, so if you guys are going to trade, make it happen. Now, I don't think he would, he would finagle that much, but I would be surprised if the trade is announced before the finals is over, because I think that's kind of like an NBA etiquette thing. When it comes to the Anthony Davis trade, not block Brooklyn dumping salary during the finals. From the Anthony Davis trade, it won't be announced until the finals are over, and I, I do believe that it will take until draft night to be to be formally announced. If for no other reason than the fact that Griffin's going to run the clock all the way down and tell him, and tell Danny Ainge, I'm about to make the trade, and you're not going to get Anthony Davis if you don't give me your best offer right now. And that's how I think it's going to break down. So um pace yourselves and uh if we have what about nine more days until it's over yep.
2: all right well uh guys yeah yeah let's just pelicans fans just please yeah let's let's try to enjoy this the 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 ride the rest of the way um yeah and on, on we'll all be excited on draft night one way or another so yeah i'll try to calm down i'll try to lessen
0: my anxiety about all this and look, lastly, David, David, here's the easiest yeah. way for you to look at it, right? It's uh, You love these Lakers fans just as much as any of us, but I think you'd like it even more because you're such a logical guy. So with all these trade proposals they've been coming at, well, suddenly, poof, it's going to be gone. So when Anthony Davis' deal gets announced, you're not going to have that fun in your life anymore, buddy. Oh, we'll still hear about it. If he doesn't go to L.A., we'll still hear from Lakers fans who will tell us again,
2: how stupid we were not to send him to LA, but yeah, who, I I won't care as much. Uh, yeah, you mean how I do stupid you mention, were
3: not to take the players they didn't want,
2: right? <laughs> that they don't want them, but they want us to take them. Uh, I do want to mention before we get out of here that uh, a podcast uh, that an interview that I did today, uh, well, yesterday now, um, with uh, Wake Forest assistant coach Randolph Childress, uh, I think he did a great job in breaking down the top ACC players who will be in this year's draft. A number of those are players that we've talked about on, on our um, podcasts um, as potential targets. Everybody outside of Zion Williamson, like DeAndre Hunter, like Cam Reddish, like RJ Barrett. All those folks, he, talk, he goes in depth about their strengths, their weaknesses, um, even their personalities. He's known some of these guys since they were in high school. I really uh, invite you to check that out. Uh, you know, if, if you've been a loyal listener, And even if you haven't, if this is the first time, go back, check out the trade proposals, check out these. And we'll definitely be doing more of these leading up to the draft and, of course, after. Um, Guys, thank you for your time again, staying up late with me and and doing this. Um, And until the next time, let's go Pels.
1: Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.
0: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive
4: Box. Old moon,
1: yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Discounts not available in all states or situations.